Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast. Our desire is to unleash healthy disciple makers in West Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you and have a God-filled day. Who desires to be where God is? Like a child desiring to be with his parent, we should long to want to be with our king. Like someone who is homesick, desperately wanting to be back at their home, we should long to be in heaven because our citizenship is not here on earth, but is in heaven. I want to be where he is. I need to be where he is. I long to be where he is. When I think about um, 2020, Jesus didn't come back. And because Jesus didn't come back, I know we still got work to do. Amen. But there isn't a day that goes past that I don't pray for his return. Let me pray. In fact, you can be seated. Eternal Father, once again, you have allowed me to proclaim your word and to proclaim your truth. I decrease so that you might increase. I pray that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, and I pray that it will be acceptable to you, O God. Father, I pray that every guest that has come here today, that they realize that they can do it anywhere in the world, but you had a divine appointment for them to be here at this time during this season to hear this word. Would you allow it to permeate their hearts Would you allow it to do um, a work in their hearts in such a way that they look more like Jesus? And for those family members who are a part of DCC, Father, I pray that we will both be hearers of the word and doers of the word. We love you, Father. We trust you and we lift you up. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Let all the saints say amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James, the book of James. Last week, we were in James chapter 2 as we continue this series called Faith That Works. And last week, we had this big idea that says faith without works is fruitless because we know that true faith produces fruit. And a life that is producing fruits can do three things. It can be eaten, share. Anybody remember the last one? Reproduce. Good job. Some people was listening last week. Amen. Now we're going to transition from chapter two into chapter three. But before we dive into the text, all right, I have a question. All right. What animal has killed the most humans? What animal has killed the most? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got a little test for you. Somebody said lion. That's not true. But anyway, what animal has killed? All right. Let's look at the screen. Okay. Humans. Ah, you testing me? An elephant or a hippopotamus? All right. The reality is they both killed the same amount of people each year. Yeah. Hippopotamus are more aggressive. But when you do the statistics, about 500 deaths per year. Crocodiles or sharks? 
right? I hear sharks, I hear crocodiles, right? Well, the answer is crocodiles, right? They kill over a thousand people per year. Um, I think this statistic is a little low, but sharks only kill about six people per year. I think that's a little low. Snakes or dogs? Look at all the dog lovers. You better not say dogs. <laughs> Fluffy don't bite nobody. Well, rest easy, dog lovers. Snakes. All right, they kill about 100,000 people per year. And the dogs that do kill people oftentimes are dogs who have rabies. Last one, mosquitoes or a tapeworm? Somebody said tapeworm? You, you eating that shellfish? Huh? Those, water, those freshwater snails? Well, the reality is it's actually mosquitoes. They have killed over 750,000 people. Now, while that trivia was fun, and a lot of you got it wrong, all right, you need to watch Animal Planet, all right? The number one animal that has killed the most humans is the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that three-inch monster that God has caged in your mouth by your teeth has killed more people than any other animal in the kingdom. Huh. Didn't see that coming, did you? In fact, its most lethal weapon is words. Some of y'all don't believe that the tongue is the most vicious animal in the animal kingdom. Right? In fact, you say things like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Finish it with me. Let me ask you a question real quick. By a show of hands, all right, who in here believes that? Now, hold on. I did not ask you, do you understand it? I asked you, do you believe it? By a show of hands. Who believed that statement? Really? Really? By a show of hands, it was two people who says, sticks and stones may break my, is a true statement. Is that what you're saying? I asked you, did you believe the statement? By a show of hands, who believes that statement? Not do you understand it, but do you believe it? Wow. Let me see if I can debunk that, because I didn't expect that. Here's the reason why I... I, that statement is false because some of you are sitting in this room right now messed up because of what somebody said to you 20 years ago. Some of you have broken relationships with friends because of something they said to you. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, right. Some of you are mad at your spouse. Some of you have gotten a divorce based on what someone has said to you. You may understand that you shouldn't react towards somebody's words, but you cannot slow down what happens to your heart when someone tells you, I don't believe in you. You ain't going to never be nothing. You're going to always be like your daddy. Some of you all have 
parent and daddy wounds sitting in here right now because of what your daddy said to you. Now I see people shaking their heads like, nah, Pastor, you're right. The tongue is this deadly, venomous things. And the reason why we know that that statement isn't true because we understand that there is dynamite in our dentures. That we understand that there is life and death and the power of the tongue. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Now everybody's shaking their head because you are starting to recall that experience in your life of how words have hurt you. Life. Some of you today are who you are because someone spoke life to you. Opportunities, careers, starting your own business, not being afraid of failure was fortified in you because someone said, I believe in you. But there's others who are sitting in here struggling because of the words of death that destroyed your dreams, your hopes, your expectations, how you see one another. I know little girls right now have went through terrible relationships with men because their daddy said crazy things to them. Now, for some of you all, maybe it's not what someone else said. Maybe it is what you said to someone else that hurt them. The evil in your esophagus got the best of someone else. Huh, let me, let me put it to the test. Maybe you use the clapback technique. All right, any clapbackers in here? Right? <laughs> Don't raise, I didn't, see, I didn't ask you to raise your hand on that one. <laughs> yeah, people are like, yeah, that's me. You know that venomous strike when you try to one-up someone in insults. Any clapbackers in here? Or, or, or maybe you use that sarcastic tongue. Mm. That, that, that tongue that is used to mock or convey some type of contempt. Look at people in here like, Jerry, please, Pastor, get out of my pocket. I got, I got two more. What is about that tact tongue? You know what tact is. Like, you are not sensitive to what is coming out of your mouth. Anything that pops in your head, you say it. You have no tact. See, that's what children do. I remember, listen, I remember I used to tell my little, one of my youngest child, like, baby, just because it comes to your mind don't mean you need to say it. Walking up to people, are you pregnant? Like, baby, that's a man. Come on, come here. Come here. Get your, get your, get your, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. All right. Some of you like that. Yeah, y'all don't have tact in your tongue. Here's the last one. What about the tone deaf tongue? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Uh-huh. So some people getting ready to leave right now. <laughs> I'm just no, listen, I'm just saying that the tongue has destroyed more people than any plague, any disease, or animal in the world. Your words. And so James is going to tell us something that every mother 
or father has said to their child when they speak out of pocket, watch your mouth. And that's saying it lightly from where I came from, right? (laughs) Watch your mouth. Because your mouth has so much venom in it that it can destroy your life and the lives of others. I want to read James real quick and then jump into the text of watch your mouth. James chapter three, verse one says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ship also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a small rudder whenever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Last couple of verses. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among other our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by humans. Watch this. But no human being can tame the tongue. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and curses. My brothers, these things ought not to be does a spring pour, for, pour forth from the same opening both f- fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pine yield fresh fruit. Watch your mouth. James is about to tell us why we should watch our mouths. And then at the end, I'm going to show you how you can watch your mouth. All right. Watch your mouth is what James is saying in this text. And the first person he warns to watch their mouth are teachers. People like me. Right. Verse one says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Why? For you know that that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Watch this. Poop it preachers, watch your mouth. Bible teachers, watch your mouth. Life group leaders, watch your mouth. Children and youth teachers, watch your mouth. Podcast teachers, watch your mouth. Anyone who positions himself to instruct people in the word of God, James said, should consider the cost of judgment. Look at the life group leaders like, me too? Yes, you too. All right? I almost forgot one. Well, not really. Social media influencers. Mm, I had to come for you. You fit in this category of strict judgment as well. When you use your Twitter account, 
your IG account, your Facebook pulpit to offer your opinion on spiritual matters related to God's word. You need to watch your post. People are influenced by what you say. They are influenced by what you post. You fit in this category. Now, let me say this because people keep thinking me and Michael McGee are hating on social media. We ain't hating on social media. Social media is not inherently wrong. It, it, it is not wrong to use your social media platform to connect with your audience and use it to, to, to help them see the word of God. The danger is when your opinion becomes fact. The danger is when your opinion poses as a studied conclusion. See, all you're doing is reposting what someone else has said, but you never did the research to see where it came from. That's the danger, right? Like the danger is when modern teachers and influencers shepherd us to believe that influence and acceptance are earned through likes or follows or friends, right? It's when preachers design their message so that it is retweetable. And in essence, what happens is we trump being faithful over the word of God. It's when we preach for the masses instead of about the Messiah. That's what gets us in trouble. That's when we have moved far left. And it's not not on the straight and narrow path of righteousness. Teachers, influencers, watch your mouth. Why? Because you will be judged based on what you say and based on what you post. Now, some of you are like, well, pastor, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a preacher. In fact, I don't even have a social media outlet. So this text doesn't apply to me. James says, not so fast, right? Because if you look at verse two, he moves from teachers specifically to Christians collectively saying, we all need to watch our mouth, right? Look at verse two. It says, we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. What is James saying? He's simply saying the one who watches his mouth can control his life. The one who watches his mouth can control his life. Now notice James said the issue is not whether we speak out of pocket. That's not the issue right here because he says we all stumble in that manner. He said the question that you have to ask yourself is this. Do you control your tongue or does your tongue control you? Do you control your lips? Do you protect it behind that cage? Or is it just loose and it runs rampant? James says, for the one who controls his tongue is a perfect man, right? And we already know that the word perfect simply means mature. What is he saying? A sign that one is spiritually mature is one who controls his speech. And the one who can control his speech 
also can control his body and his entire actions. Oh, man. He said the tongue is so powerful, it can control your entire life. Sticks and stones break, break, may break my bones, but words don't hurt me. James says, not, not a chance. Your tongue is powerful. And he uses two illustrations to make his point, right? He uses a horse and a boat. One controlled by a bit and the other controlled by a rudder, right? So let me use the horse one because we in Texas, both of the illustrations are saying the same thing. But let me use the horse. The first time, and Garrett Smith is here, right? Garrett, Garrett knows this story. Garrett Smith is here, one of the uh, missionaries in Oregon. So that's my homeboy. Give it up for Garrett Smith. The first time I ever rode a horse was in Columbus, Texas, right? At Pine Cove Camp, right? Garrett remembers this, right? And so they, the ranger came to us and said, hey, do you all want to ride horses and round up the cattle? I'm a, like, I ain't never rode a horse and I love horses. I was like, absolutely, bro. I'm ready to get on that horse. But there was a problem. I had shorts on. And nobody told me that the temperature was about to change, right? And so we get on the horse. My horse, his name was Roscoe, right? His name was Roscoe. And we get on the horse, and the ranger is telling us, okay, if you want the horse to go this way, this rope known as a rein is going to control this bit that's in his mouth, and you, you, you pull it whatever direction you want the horse to go. I said, got it. He said, if you want the horse to stop, he says, this, this rope called a rein and this bit that's in his mouth will control him. All you got to do is pull back on it. I'm like, cool, I'm ready, right? And so we trotting out to the open lands to get ready to, you know, to haul in this cattle. And the ranger's horse took off. Fool. And so, I couldn't even get ready. My horse, Roscoe, took off. Ah! Like, I'm like, and I didn't have no control. So I'm like all over the place or whatever, right? All over the place. And I'm riding this thing. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, is somebody cooking bacon? I'm like, is somebody... Is somebody cooking breakfast? Man, my inner thighs were on fire. <laughs> I'm on fire. And the ranger is like, keep your post. Keep your post. We got to get the cattle to go over here. And I'm just burning on fire. And I, and I don't know what to do. And I'm sitting there like, dude, I want to help y'all, but I want to stop this fire that's in my legs. And I remember something. Pull back on the reins. And it'll slow the horse down. Pull back on the reins. And it'll stop the horse. And that's what I did, man. I pulled out and I was like, I was like choking the horse like. But I had to keep up with the pack, right? So I got the fire under control, right? <laughs> I got the fire under control. And then all of a sudden, more horses started running with us. Now, these horses didn't have a saddle on their back. These horses didn't have a bit in their mouth. These horses were just running wild. In fact, one of the rangers says, hey, man, don't let the horse get close to you. It'll bite you. And then one horse ran up on another horse and tried to get up on the back of the horse while the rider was on there. <laughs> this is my first experience riding a horse. <laughs> 
I ain't been back on one ever since, man. Now, I don't mind riding a horse that I can control, but those wild stallions can hurt you and others in your path. And that's James' point. A mature tongue is like a bridal horse controlled by its bit. But a loose tongue is like a wild stallion biting and jumping over others. And that's why James says in verse 5a, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Your tongue is so powerful, it can literally steer the course of your life. But just like an unbridled horse, if it causes, if, if it's not controlled, it can cause serious damage in your life and to the life of other people. Some of you are sitting here because your tongue has destroyed relationships. Some of you are sitting here because you have been destroyed by what someone else has said. Like, when I was growing up, you know, my dad wasn't there. And the only person that I can look to for nourishment was my mother. But I longed to be comforted by man. But the problem was, no one was there. And so I had to learn how to be a man from the streets. And the things they used to say to me to define what it meant to be a manhood really messed my life up. In fact, it was not until this 6'3", 300-pound man named Michael McCray came into my life. He was the first man to ever tell me I love you. But it, start, it started, we, me and him almost got in a fight. We almost got in a fight. And instead of him abandoning me, I was on the porch painting my nails. You know, don't judge me. I, I used to like clear fingernail polish, right? I used to paint my toenails, right? You know what I'm saying? So he pulls. <laughs> so he pulls up. I'm mad at him. He said, "Get in the truck." I get in the truck. He looking at me. I'm looking at him. He looking at me. I'm looking at him. He take me to the the locker room. I'm like, oh, I'm about to die. <laughs> he take me into the locker room and he sit down and he talked to me like a father would talk to a son. And that was the first day I ever respected a man based on the words he said to me. If, we don't, if you and I do not learn how to control our mouths, it will destroy our life and the life of others. This is the second reason James says why we should watch our mouth. He says the reason why you should watch your mouth because it can destroy lives. Look at verses 5b and 8. It says, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. 
it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Notice the imagery that he's using. He's using the imagery of fire. And as I sit on this and as I stand on this stage right now, Australia is experiencing the worst bushfire ever recorded, ever recorded. In fact, one report says this, blazes has been sweeping through the country since September, killing 29 people, destroying over 2,500 homes and burning forests and farmlands to the ground. Right now, our brothers and sisters are experiencing that. And when I was reading this report, I stumbled upon this question. How are most forest fires started? Because I wanted to know how this fire started, you know, because there's so many different reports. In one report, um, some of our Australian brothers and sisters started a brush fire um, because they were handling bees. They were bee trainers, right? And so it was all different type of reports out there. <clears throat> but what I found is nearly 85% of wildland fires in the United States are caused by humans, right? Human-caused fires oftentimes result from campfires left unattended, the burning of debris, equipment use and malfunctions, negligently discarding cigarettes or a single match, and intentional acts of arson. Now, when I read this, I'm like, I can comprehend that a forest fire can start because of arson. I can comprehend that equipment malfunctioning can start a forest fire, but a single cigarette and a single match can destroy thousands of acres? That's what James is saying. James says it takes one careless word, one careless phrase, one careless statement that can set on fire a 10-year friendship, that can set on fire a marriage, that can set on fire a, a, a job that you, it takes one careless word that can change the trajectory of your relationship or your life indefinitely. There's a story about a professor. His name is Bart Ehrman, right? He is a professor of New Testament study. And he grew up in a Christian home, was committed to God. And then he got into textual criticism, right? Examining the Bible so that we know that what we are reading are accurate. And then he wrote a paper and he submitted it to his, 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 his professor. And he was confused based on some things that he saw that was inconsistent in the text. And his professor wrote on his paper, well, maybe the author got it wrong. Those simple words caused that man to now write books till this day saying you cannot believe in the Bible. One word, one phrase. Now in this brother's faith, has been destroyed forever. How can the tongue, right? Like, how can the tongue cause that much damage? Well, James actually tells you in verse 6. He says, because the tongue is a fire, 
set on fire by hell. You know what I learned? The worst thing about a forest fire is not the fire burning up thousands of acres. You know what the worst thing about a forest fire is? How long it takes for it to grow back. Listen to this. It takes the forest an average of 11 years for land to recover after it has been burnt by wildfire. Watch this. And it takes decades for the forest to reestablish itself after it has went through such a catastrophe. In the same manner, some of you all are still rebuilding back your lives because of what your ex-husband has said to you. Some of you are, are, are still rebuilding your life back based on what was said to you as a child. Or maybe some of you are still trying to reconcile your relationship because your mouth set ablaze the relationship. Mm. How can the tongue cause that much damage to relatives and neighbors and coworkers? One of the way, reasons he says, he says, because hell is waiting on the opportunity to take that little spark of your words and use it against you. The reason why your tongue and my tongue can do so much damage is that hell is just waiting for a chance to influence our tongue. When you and I speak, hell is looking for this opportunity to fan a spark into fire because that's what Satan does, right? Satan takes the word of God and he distorts it. He takes the word of God and he creates doubt in it. He takes the word of God and he deceives people with. He's waiting for an opportunity to use your words against you. Mm. And I love how he ends this pericope and that's why I started the image with animals. He says, and no one can tame this tongue. Now, can I say something before I move on? It says no human can, 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 can contain this tongue. It didn't say the Holy Spirit couldn't restrain your tongue. Right? Because there is a fire that's greater than the tongue that's in your mouth, right? And his name is God the Spirit. We saw it in Acts chapter 2 when he came down like tongues of fire. There is something that can hold back the, the lies and, and, and the words that are coming in your mouth. He is known as the restrainer. You ever, you ever are about to say something and then the Holy Spirit be like, you better not say that. Huh? You, you ever say something and it's like this, this tugging in your heart that don't come out real clean? Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He is the one who indwells you. He is your car alarm when you're about to pop off at the mouth. Right? He gives you the power to speak life, which is James' final point. James says, watch your mouth because the one who watches his mouth can direct the lives of others. In verses 9 through 12, it's a very weird verse. It's a very unnatural verse. And the reason why the verse is so unnatural is because the tongue can do something that nothing in nature can do, right? The tongue has the ability to produce two different type of fruits, right? Notice what the text is. 
with with it, we bless our Lord and father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessings and curses. That's odd because that's not how nature works. Right. All right. Let me let me prove my point. You cannot go to a water fountain and out of the same faucet have both fresh and bitter water. That's what James is saying, right? He's saying you can't go to an apple tree and expect that apple tree to produce oranges as well. He said it don't work like that. Like you can't go and, and expect a tree to produce two different fruits. He says, likewise, this is not true of the tongue. The tongue can produce fruits of blessings or fruits of curses. All right, let me see if I can poke somebody real quick. You come here every Sunday praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be where he is. Right? You come here every Sunday doing that. But some of you all, before you get here, you done already cussed out two people. Some of the greatest fights that my wife and I have had is on Sundays. I'm getting ready to preach. I'm mad at her. And then I come up here trying to edify you. I'm just talking to myself. Maybe I'm the only person who done done that. James says, brother, these things should not be so. He said, the reason why these things should not be so is because we were not designed like this. In fact, he goes all the way back to the creator. He says, in other words, we were not designed like this. We were made in the image of God. We were made by the creator of the universe who spoke words that created it. Let there be light. And there was light. Let there be animals. And there were animals. And everything that he spoke was good. This is who you come from. This is the DNA that you have in your body as an image bearer of God. In fact, despite our sins, he introduced us to God the Son. Remember in Genesis, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You were created by the Word. He says, and he has given you the ability to speak life when you put your faith in him. He says, do not use your words to speak death, but use your words to speak life. Now, here's the last point. So how do we do this, right? How do we watch our mouth? I got one simple phrase, right? Put God's words in your gums. If you want to learn how, Right. If you want to learn how to protect your mouth, I got some of y'all. Right. Put God's words in your gums. Right. This is about taking what the Bible says about words and using it in such a way that you reflect the character of God. Right. And so I want to share seven things with you and I'm out of your way. Seven things with you to show you how to protect your lips. Right. And it starts with the word of God. All right. Watch this. The first thing we all need to learn is where wisdom come from. Right. Proverbs chapter two, verse six says this for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, knowledge and understanding. In other words, who says it matter? 
In order, in, uh, instead of you giving them a piece of your mind, why don't you give them a piece of God's mind, right? And, and instead of you giving them your wisdom, because you feel like you need to say something, why don't you take wisdom from the one who creates wisdom and give that to them? Right? Who says it matters? I've learned this as a husband. Like when I'm bringing my plans to my wife, I don't come with my name anymore. Like, baby, this is what we gonna do. Nah, I'm like, baby, let me show you what the Lord showed me. <laughs> it didn't work 100% out of 100 times. I'm just letting you know. I'm not telling you to manipulate God's word. I'm telling you to study to have his word so that when you bring a conclusion to somebody, you can base it on where God is directing you and not based on where you think we should go. All right. Here's the second thing. Some of us all right, are going to have to learn about timing. Timing. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 says a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples on a silver tray. All right. When you say it matters. Right. It's about presentation. Sometimes you're going to have to learn timing. Sometimes it's not good to talk to your spouse when they just now getting off work. Come on, man. Sometimes it's not good to talk to your friend when y'all in conflict, when you are around some other people. You're going to have to learn timing. All right. Here's another one. Some of us need to remind ourselves that there's death and life in the tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, what you say matters. What you say to a person matters. Like, man, nah, he all right, man. He got tough skin. Stop that. People who have tough skin has developed that. They didn't start off like that. Now, he, he, he got tough skin. No, he gets tough because he's becoming callous. And when he becomes callous, he don't care no more. And when he doesn't care no more, he can't feel anymore. And then when it's time for you to say some words of encouragement, he or she does not listen. Because the words you have said matters. Here's another one. Some of you are going to have to learn how to respond. Right. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. <laughs> you, somebody need to tattoo that on them, right? That scripture right there is fire. Think about it. It says how you say it matters. Sometimes I know you, this, this, this text right here is definitely for the clapbackers. That is definitely for the clapbackers right there. Slow down. A soft answer can turn away wrath. But because you want to give them a piece of your mind, you have stirred up conflict. And then you want to turn to them and say, but that wasn't my intentions. That's not what I intended to say. I didn't intend to hurt you. But your intentions were wrong, right? A couple of more and I'm out of your way. Some of you all are going to need to learn how to be silent. <laughs> mm. 
Proverbs 7, 27 and 28. It says, whoever restrains his word has knowledge. And he who has a, a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Silence gives you time for understanding. That's why James says, be slow to speak. And the reason why he says be slow to speak is so that when you get understanding, you can accurately apply the word of God to the situation. Some of you are going to have to do this physically. Hold your mouth while somebody's talking. Mm, 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 mm. I don't care how dumb it looks. That's what you need to do. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> Some of y'all going to do that like mm, mm, mm. I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. Just walk away. Just walk away. Right? Here's another one for the clapbackers. Right? Some of you all are going to have to learn how to not one-up people with insults. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but instead bless others because you were called to inherit blessings. God did not call you to go tit for tat towards people. All right? In fact, some of you all are missing out on blessings because of your mouth. Because of your mouth. You haven't gotten that raise. You haven't gotten that position. Uh, you don't have the type of community around you. People don't even want to go out to eat with you anymore. Because of your mouth. And here's the last one. Some of you need to learn the balance between truth and love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way until into him who is the head into Christ. Prior to this verse, he was talking about unity. If you want to establish unity, you're going to have to learn the balance between love and truth. They work together. If all you do is love somebody when you speak but never share this truth, you're communicating to them you don't love them. But if all you do is share truth but you don't share love, all you're communicating is um, you're cold-hearted. Some of you all are going to have to learn this. Now, this wasn't an exhaustive list. But what James is saying, learn how to watch your mouth. And the reason why you need to learn how to watch your mouth is because the one who controls his lips is the one who controls his life. And the one who controls his life is one who is a sign of mature. I don't know who this message was for as the choir comes to the stand, but I know this particular passage right here spoke to me. And it spoke to me because I know what words did for me when I was growing up. And I took that same posture when I raised my girls. And I wanted to be an encourager for my girls, especially now that they are participating in sports. And so most of you all know that my girls are swimmers, right? And one of the songs I used to sing to my girls is, remember what you did today and do it better tomorrow. <laughs> and the reason why I used to sing that song, as bad as it sounded, right, was because it always caused them to work hard. And now to this day, my girls, man, they are, one of my girls, she worked out so much, her coach 
had to tell her to stop. Like stop. One of my girls, she works out because she likes the abs that she have on her stomach. All right, all right, hey, I'm gonna live vicariously through her. All All I'm saying is words matter. And if you can't use your words to edify, if you can't use your words to encourage, then you need to check your heart. Amen? So we always ask these three questions when we contemplate. What is God calling us to stop? What is God calling us to start? And what is God calling us to believe? Let us contemplate. Thank you again for listening to Disciple City Church Podcast. Until we meet again, shalom.